Hello, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And welcome to Apocalypse Duds. Today, we welcome a man of many parts. The Doppler daddy with the drip. The airman who can. The radar reader. The rakish rustler. The caballero in camo. The Louisiana lawman. The hero in the Hamburg. His boots were made for walking. Robert Waldron. Uh, I'm going to have to re-listen to that and save it and and put those in my firm bio. (laughs) The the Doppler daddy with the drip. How did I not think of that myself? And you know what's insane, dude? (laughs) That was the first one I came up with. That was the first one that came out of my brain. And I was like, God, it's incredible. (laughs) I told Connor earlier today, like, like we've done this little, you know, this is kind of our intro shtick, so to speak. This is absolutely the best one that this man has come up with, and I, mm-hmm. my hat is off to you, Connor. I am Robert. I, I am remarkably honored uh, <laughs> for, for so much. I feel like I feel like Apollo Creed when he fought um, the Russian cat. You know what I mean? Just, just, <laughs> yeah, Vlad, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully, Robert, you don't die at the end of this episode. Let's, right. let's just keep yeah, yeah. that in mind nice, nice. with the Apollo Creed reference. That's but, right. Uh, That's right. But yeah, we're you know we're uh, what we're we're Rocky slash American enthusiasts. So let's make it the biggest intro of all time. That's that's let's our go. Goal. Okay, so I have a very big lead up. And and just to set the tone for the interview, it, it, it's a burning question that, that we both have, Robert. All right? Are you ready for this? I'm listening. I need your top three Dirty South, uh, Dirty South rap songs of all time. Top three Dirty South rap songs? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's accepted the challenge. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say this: they're they're probably all coming from Scarface. Okay. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Um, the first one comes to mind is Diary of a Madman. Uh, you talk about a track that discusses, I guess, mental health in raw gangster realness. I don't that anyone really holds a candle to Scarface when it just comes to talking about just visceral emotions and a fucked up headspace packaged in uh, in uh, authentic gangster you know street shit fuck yes mm-hmm. you know um so I'm staying. I'm, I'm. I'm probably leading with that one. Okay. Um, all Solid right. number one choice, if I'm being honest. So. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's see. Um, you know, I'm in Louisiana. Let me let me throw my boy Boosie up in there. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I I can't uh, I I can't help but to but to just feel something in 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 my uh, in my in my spirit when I hear "Set It Off." So I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw Bootsy in there, set it off. Uh, probably not ending up on a whole lot of folks' top three of all time, but uh, for in, in the spirit of, of just fun for this conversation, let's throw my man Bootsy up in there. 
All right. And, All right. Um, right? And, uh, and look, um, you know, Matt, you know, we finally, you know, met face to face in Georgia. I was in South Georgia at the time. And so let's, uh, let's throw it up for Pastor Troy. No, yes. more, no, no, more playing GA. no more playing GA. Let's do that. Dude, hands, uh, hats off to you, Robert. That, yeah, th- this whole came from the whole uh, conversation that you and I have had, uh, you know, just about random Dirty South rap and, and just, you know, being Southern people and uh, appreciating the, you know, just the sound and the feel that it has compared to literally any other uh, like rapper hip hop on the scene. So. I think I lost. You there. I think I lost you there for a second, but um, no, I, I hear you, man. And and look, I think we we probably had this conversation before. You know, they don't get enough love uh, for what they brought to the rap game as far as just authenticity, as far as you know, having a, a range of topics. Um, I mean, I I just don't know. Just as an example, I, I just don't know who really crosses. Or, or or bridges, you know those those uh, those subject areas like the Ghetto Boys. From you go from, you know, kind of just just straight gangster shit to consciousness to, you know, um, you know, just kind of doing the same. Just you know, uh, going after women and things like that. I mean, just you know, just just a whole range of topics. You get it all from from them. I don't think anyone does it better. You got to shout out Jay Prince. Being the, the boss of all bosses, I mean, who is who's been in the game longer with more respect uh, across uh, a plethora of of uh, of areas like Jay Prince? You can't name one that holds a candle to him, and and probably could name one across several industries unrelated to music. Right. Um, and so uh, you know they don't. It, it, you start talking about hip hop, and everybody wants to default to. New York or California, and yet, I mean, hard it's, shit. It's, I mean, look, man. I mean, give it up and give respect where it's due. But when it comes down to it, tell me those cats are not finding a way to either collaborate, interact, copy, borrow, or steal from Southern cats. This yep. has been the most. I mean, this, it's this, all this, about this. quote interpolation. This is discussed very often, but it's like, yeah, it's theft. Right, right. Which you know, listen, I, whatever. But you know, we uh, they don't get enough love for for being for being what they are, and 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 you know, the sounds that come up out of here, and just the just the uh, uh, the, the staying powerness of of that that southern sound. So I, you know, you got to give it up. Yeah, man, I, I I feel like you know, I'm I'm certainly not a, a historian of rap and hip hop but I've been listening to a lot of it for the majority of my life being, you know, mostly Southern and then a little bit of like other East coast stuff, West coast. I, I respect it. Not really my thing, whatever. Uh-huh. But, yeah. you know, at, at the same time, um, there's just like, there's a feeling about Southern rap that, that just does not exist anywhere. And like you said, it hasn't gotten the recognition it really deserves, but like, you know, three, six, for example, you can pretty much like, I'm not a music writer, wish I were, but you can say that like all of the most modern kind of 
shit like the the triplet stuff that Migos and and the other you know other groups do like that all comes back to Memphis and like right. there's just so many examples of that in the in the game that like I don't know you can you can trace back to what people were doing here selling shit out of their their trunk and it's like yo that that like never gets talked about at least well you know what I, well, what I think about it too man I mean you know look and this might be a, a gross generalization but you know you talk about you know west coast we're talking about California now that's that's again that's an origin relation because what you get in the in the bay sounds a lot different than what you hear in, in LA you know what I'm saying and then some underground stuff has another kind of a feel to it okay but we're generally talking about California okay you talk about the northeast kind of thing we're talking about New York and you know you know, again, give it up, Premier, you know, Nas, Wu-Tang, I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan. Oh, totally, uh, totally. You know, you do Wu-Tang Wednesday, you know, for God's sakes. That's right, that's right, <laughs> that's right. I mean, I mean, we, we, we can't, we can't, you know, I guess, fail to give it its props. But when you talk about Dirty South, though, right, I mean, you go all throughout the fucking South, and you got a different sound. Houston yep. sounds different than what you're getting in New Orleans. New Orleans sounds different than what you're getting in Florida. Florida's are the place you're getting in Tennessee, and then you can move on to North Carolina, which there's always like been this historical New York to North Carolina, you know, transplantation. And you know, some of the cats I was listening to back when I was in college, Little Brother and Ninth Wonder, you know, yeah, kinda, they 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 just they kind of blend that 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 feel um, of kind of like a New York kind of style of production um, with Southern. Uh, resonation and 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 lyricism and topics. It's like be, yeah, it's like being at listening to shit you're going to hear in, in, in a barbershop or at a family reunion or on the on the on the, the church steps after service. You know what I mean? Like you're getting that kind of a vibe to it. And we ain't even talking about some of the the drive-by shit that that kind of popped off in the in the what late nineties, early two thousand aughts, um, nappy roots. You know, cats right. like that. You know what I mean? The whole other yeah. other vibe. You know, I don't know that you really get the 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 the, the range of uh, of of just sound diversity throughout the South as a region as you get in other you know pockets of hip hop. Yeah. yeah, you don't. I mean, New York New York sound is like a pretty rigid thing. There's that Griselda revival with Westside and all of those guys who are doing like sort of an homage to all of the rap that was coming out of New York in the early 90s. And I would say the same goes for people like Kendrick Lamar and YG are just sort of reviving something that has existed already, whereas the South is about mixing and sort of mending. And, you know, when you say Griselda, though, you know, I still think like take Benny for example, you know Benny. I'm a huge Benny fan, and you know to me the cops, Cool G rap and Scarface. I mean, just when you talk about the straight gangster lyricism that is very well put together, um, you know, very well delivered, and just kind of just raw and gritty. Uh, you know, I think he's he's very much, and I, to your point, I do think they are an homage to old school shit. And yet, I think that dude is all also kind of throwing it back to Southern roots. For sure. In the dark kitchen, all you hear is the fork clicking. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he's they've got it, really. 
chances. I mean, them, them cats are, are really carrying carrying the, the the torch for for. I mean, at least in my mind, my my taste in music is is pretty tight and narrow. But um, if I had to, if I had to list a contemporary top five, I mean, hell, three of them cats in Griselda are are are, are uh, occupying you know three seats on my on, on the in the lineup. You know what I mean? So oh, um, certainly, yeah, okay. yeah, certainly. Yeah, this this conversation could not have gone any better, in my opinion, Robert. And I, I'm very happy that you were uh, you know willing to to chat about this because it was it was the Matt said he wanted to do it first yeah Yeah, he was like we're leading with this question that's it as you should as you should hell hell yeah hell yeah (laughs) so we we know that uh you were born in louisiana and grew up in north carolina and now you're back in louisiana um like what was your childhood and early life like in the South in the, in the eighties and nineties and, you know, kind of what made you um, ultimately return to Louisiana? Well, so, I mean, I grew up, I mean, look, man, I've, I've been in and around the military for 37 years. I mean, okay. I was born in, in Northern Louisiana uh, when my you know mother was stationed up there. She was Air Force. It ended up in North Carolina, you know, in I think 96, I was also okay. another military assignment and, uh, you know, spent some time, you know, abroad before that, spent some time in California for a year before that. And, you know, was in North Carolina from about 96 to 07. But, um, you know, I, I mean, look, man, uh, without getting to, into too much of a, of a deep, heavy topic, you know, it was very much a, a latchkey kid. And, and uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, what I had going on, I mean, wasn't really dialed into music like that. I mean, you know, for that early '90s, you know, era of hip hop, I was in, I was in Okinawa, you know, and and you didn't oh, really hear shit. all that stuff out there. Interesting. You know, I remember, and look, I remember my mother had purchased into uh, the Wu Tang Thirty Six Chambers, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't listen to it until I was in college. I mean, I you know, it was around, but I didn't really get on it uh, at that point, and so you know, kind of missed. A, a, a big evolution of, of something that I kind of throw back to now, but you know, when it was happening, I wasn't really, I wasn't really participating. Um, right. Right. And so, you know, moving around a little bit as a kid and, and, you know, having moved around a little bit as an adult, I guess it, it kind of keeps you um, not married to, you know, certain locations or certain things for too long or being into attached to things. And also, I guess, building something of an instinct to, uh, be able to just pick up and move whenever it's it's time to go. The the difference now is that I, I get to make a decision myself versus having, you know, some cat in a uniform I've never met, you know, telling me what's what's best for for my career um and my life for that matter. I mean to your to your question about why why I came back here. I mean I went to law school here. Um, you know, this is having moved around a bit, this was one of the few places that ever kind of felt like home to me, you know, in New Orleans. Okay. And yeah. uh this, uh, you know, I I, I, I I recite this a lot. I mean, there's an old uh, saying by Tennessee Williams, if I'm misquoting it, forgive me, but it's like, you know, there's three American cities, New York, New Orleans, and San Francisco, everything else is Cleveland. And yep. Um, yep. That's, it, you, you feel that. I mean, there's certainly a, a, a pulse uh, and a vibe and a heartbeat to this city, man. And I remember when I was kind of first, I guess, kind of laying the groundwork to move back here, I had my 
my Tulane hoodie on, and uh, I get off the plane at the airport. I'm about to walk out to to uh, catch a cab, and you know there was a gal uh, at the at the door. She was like, "Okay, Mr. Tulane, welcome home, baby." You know, you just don't really get that. You don't really get that that kind of, um, I guess, welcoming just at, at an airport from a from a stranger like that who was treating me and talking to me like family. I'm not even like really from here. You know what I mean? So um, right. it just you know, just like I said, man, it just has a, a bit of a, a home feel to it. You know, it, it may not be the, the the forever place, but I'm good here for now. And it's been a good place to kind of uh, pick up, you know, this this next phase of my life post-military and and uh, see what see what's popping. Hell yeah. That's that's a beautiful answer of of why you returned to some some place. Uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So you're talking about your career post-military. I was wondering, I did do some research. I was wondering if you could give a little rundown of your career up until this point. You are very young and very accomplished already. (laughs) That's very kind of you. Um, Let's see. Uh, Well, uh, I commissioned uh, into the Air Force in uh, 2000, I guess late 2007. Um, I uh, was a, a weather officer, so I'm a degreed meteorologist, um, did that. Yeah. For yeah. That was so, that was so surprising to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It probably takes a lot of people breath away, but, uh, did that one for about five and a half years was in, uh, Tucson, Arizona for a couple of years, um, eight to 10 came back to Louisiana. I was back in Bossier city up there at uh, Barcelona Air Force base from 10 to 12, uh, deployed to Kyrgyzstan six months out of that. To uh, Korea for a year. I think that was 12 to 13. Um, 13 to 16, came back to New Orleans, was in law school, and then uh, spent the next five years in San Antonio. Um, and then the last seven months, so that would have been, oh, probably August to September 2021 until April of this year in Valdosta. And that was, uh, I guess the last six years was, uh, I was a JAG, uh, okay. military lawyer in the Air Force on some, you know, some Tom Cruise type shit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, man, so that, you know, it was, it was cool for what it was. And I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really mesh well with them so much that, 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 uh, that career field. So it was, it was time to, to make a move and, and, and dip on out of that. So. Um, so I got on with a, with a law firm out here in, in, uh, in New Orleans, it's a commercial litigation firm. Um, and so we're going to grind this out until, until, uh, you know, until whenever. Dude, and Robert, wow. I thought, yeah, like that's an, that's an impressive fucking CV. I'm glad you think so. I mean, <laughs> I hope someone else does too. Shit. But, um, I, I mean, it's. It's cool, man. I mean, I, I guess I don't reflect on it on it too much, but um, you know, I, I regret not taking better advantage of of you know, some of the places I was at at the time, and and uh, just kind of availing myself of of you know seeing stuff when I was out there. Like, I mean, I was in Arizona for a couple of years, and I you know, saw the Grand Canyon once or twice, but you know, Patagonia, Sedona, stuff, and you know, Tombstone, Big, you know, uh, uh, was it Bisbee? You know, just place no no galas you know shit like that didn't really uh just didn't really you know strike my fancy back then man but it ain't going nowhere so 
kind of in a, in a, in a, in a better space now to, you know, kind of see what that, what, what stuff like that is like. And, you know, I'm glad I did a little bit of traveling when I was, when I was in Valdosta. Part of that was just not wanting to be in Valdosta. <laughs> you know, yeah, traveled quite yeah. a bit when I was, when I was out there, just, you know, kind of on a whim. So I'm still trying to get my, myself together and, and uh, I guess with this, this new gig and feel myself out there, it's, it's been a little bit busier, but, you know, I'll start building in some, some, some travel time for that too. And, you know, see some different things and get some different experiences under my belt. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I guess like, you know, you're, you're from a military background, so you've traveled a lot, um, your entire life, basically, like from, you know, deployment to deployment or, or, or station, you know, what, whatever the word is there, but like, how old are you? 37. So in your 37 years, you've probably seen more of like the world and just various spaces than a ton of people do in their entire lifetime. Like that's just impressive to me. Uh, and, and the fact that you've kind of like just done your thing and like figured out, you know, figured out different ways that, you can uh, advance both your career and yourself. Like that's, that's just awesome, man. Um, and, you know, just hearing it, hearing it all put in one place, like, I don't know. It is impressive to me. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, bro. Yeah, of course. So, so we, uh, in, in our research, mostly Connor's research, um, <laughs> we have, uh, discovered that you're on the board of a nonprofit that, um, you know, was developed to bridge the achievement gap of underserved minorities through, uh, STEM programs. Like, right. You know, that's, that's kind of a, a, a rad thing. And, and how did you get involved with that? So one of my, one of my mentors, um, in college, I mean, he was graduated, uh, several years, you know, before I, I started classes, but, you know, got, uh, got clicked in with him and, you know, had a lot of similarities. You know, he was, uh, he did ROTC, was in the Air Force for a little bit. I think he was a missileer, um, got out and uh, went to business school. And uh, he's been kind of doing his thing up in New York ever since. But, you know, several years ago, I think it's been over 10 years now, um, he popped off this, this STEM Academy it's a week long, um, you know, program for, uh, for, uh, predominantly, you know, young black males. Um, and it, it teaches them, you know, kind of like the STEM component of it is, um, robotics. So they go through a week long program, kind of learning just the, the basics of robotics and computer programming. And they have a capstone at the end of the week where, uh, they build their own and build and program their own robot. And all this happens in the course of a week, but they build, they build in, you know, just, you know, physical fitness in it as well. And, and leadership, uh, they have guest speakers kind of come in and, and give them some game on, on those topics. And so, uh, I had gone up to New York, probably maybe 2017 or 18 and ran into my man. And, uh, he was like, you know, we got the academy popping off in a, in a couple months. You know, why don't you come down and be the be the keynote speaker? Oh I said, shit! Absolutely. And so, and so, uh, 
we we did that and and uh you know they invited me onto the board and um you know it's it's been great man some other you know really good professionals and you know they've we've got a i guess a, a long track record of of success with the program and now you're starting to see some of the the, the graduates when they were children now th- these cats are are you know college age at this point and so it's just been a um a very gratifying and rewarding thing to be a part of and um you know it's i guess kind of somewhat serendipitous in that you know just a, what ended up starting as a vacation ended up being something that would that would be uh i guess enriched me both both professionally and and personally but um yeah man uh, uh wilson a butler um academy check it out it's uh it's fantastic hell yeah and so i don't want to put you on the spot here but we did look into it and we were wondering about the scholarship, the Tulane scholarship, which is another like wow thing yeah. to have. Yeah. So the uh, the Walter Crosby um, scholarship at Tulane Law School. Um, me and my uh, uh, good friend of mine, classmate, we popped that off probably several days before we graduated. And so um, I guess I'll speak to my specific motivation for it. Um, yeah, we went to law school in, in New Orleans at Tulane. And I think a lot of people kind of have an expectation that that school is a lot more diverse than it really is. At least I'll speak for the law school anyway. I can't say much about the other you know colleges or the university at large. But, you know, we're in a city that, that is 60 percent black. And out of the 200 or so that that graduated with me, we graduated nine black students. And so you look at that, and it's like, all right, well, you know, it hasn't always been that way, right? Um, there was a, a nice little run in the in the '90s up through pre-Katrina that you know had a, a you know up to a, the 25 percent you know black population at the at the uh, at the law school, and it's just kind of been on the decline you know since then. And so, um, you're trying to just to have a way to address that. I mean, you know, for me, it was like. You know, for whatever reason, law school was a, a way to kind of hit the, the academic and professional reset button. I kind of went from the, the, the weather career field to law and, you know, was starting fresh and, and kind of wanted to pour my all into my studies and ended up doing very well. And, and had had, I guess, on the back end of that, looked at Tulane and New Orleans and whatever as, uh, you know, kind of helping me hit that reset button and get off to a get off to a good start in this, in this next phase. And so, you know, one thing I enjoyed while I was in law school was, you know, mentoring underclassmen for their exams or what have you, help them study and uh, wanted to have a, a way or some sort of a mechanism to, to stay involved and engage with the students and kind of give back. And so um, we launched the scholarship. Uh, we put up, you know, some of our own money and thankfully, you know, Gary had a law partner that like what we were doing and and he and his wife threw up in a little piece of money to help us get to a threshold amount to be able to restrict the fund to, you know, first generation. We preferred to go to first generation black students. And so um, we, uh, uh, it's been throwing off scholarship money for the last, you know, four or five years. We, we, we've got another recipient this year. I, I uh, met with the young brother um, several weeks ago, um, you know, former Marine, you know, got out, doing his thing in law school. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's the goal would be to get it to to a million dollars in perpetuity so, or I guess a million dollars, so you know, in, in the endowment so that we can fund a, a, a fully a full ride within, you know, 
uh, in perpetuity, right? It'll give off, give off a four out every year. Right. But, um, you know, for now, it's got about a couple hundred thousand in the in the endowment. So it's throwing off a little piece of change. It's not a ton, but it, it helps out a little bit. And uh, the other component to it is uh, just the mentorship piece, right? So you got the financial angle, but also, you know, myself and Gary will, you know, my, my, uh, my friend that helped uh, launch it, um, you know, we'll meet with the student. Um, and just kind of be a, a, a source of, of, uh, of networking and, and advice for them. And we check in on them and, you know, try to meet with them before they, before they uh, begin their studies and uh, let them know where they're for them. And, you know, law school is kind of a different animal as far as studying and that sort of a thing. But, you know, so it's, you know, just be a resource for them throughout their, their three years and be it class selection, be it, you know, what's up with this professor, be it how do I study for this exam or, you know, hey, I'm looking for a gig in this location. You know, someone that can you can put me on with. And we try to be a resource for all of that. And so, you know, we're uh, we're still raising money, trying to build it up. But um, it's been a, it's been a good program so far. Man, that's that, that's a really incredible story. And you know, just the fact that you guys kind of had this idea and um, that you're able to you know, kind of, kind of go into doing this work for people that I'm assuming, you know, you've got a, a heart for, like, if something like this had been available to you at some point, um, when you went back to law school, like, I don't know, it's just, it, it's, it's great that y'all are, uh, trying to do this, like, public service, uh, of a point and the, the mentorship angle in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, that's the whole thrust of it, man. I mean, the, the biggest piece is to me, I mean, the, the money helps for sure. But like I said, law school is kind of a different animal as far as, you know, studying. It's a it's a it, you know, it's it's very unforgiving. I mean, you don't have like a series of midterms and quizzes and things like that to to, to build a grade. It's it's one exam. You know what I mean? So the right uh, the stakes are high and, and, you know, people kind of cope with it better than others. But you know, insofar as we can be, you know, a resource to kind of ease that transition and and make uh make it slow down a little bit for for our recipients you know we, we want to do that hell yeah i i very much appreciate you uh you sharing that you know that kind of like just wealth of information about um about the program and the scholarship so i thank you yeah man thanks for giving me the platform to talk about it of course of course man that that's what we're here for so continuing from before I found this interview that you did on a site called A Sustainable Closet, where you described your relationship with clothing as sartorial jazz. I don't want to rehash that. People can check out that interview. I want to hear, like, are, <laughs> I don't know, are you, are you hearing music as you're getting dressed? Are you planning your outfits before, the night before? Uh, what, is your, what is your process that in that way huh. you know what man i there there was a, a moment where i think i had tried to plan stuff out the night before and i guess sometimes i do sometimes i don't but um sometimes the the to me some of the the, the better productions kind of come on the fly absolutely because so, i'm a planner so, yeah no I'm, I'm very much a planner too man so i, I you know part <laughs> of it was was but I guess, you know, the other part, too, is, um, you know, trying to stay organic with it and, and kind of let it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of what I'm feeling that day or or, um, 
I mean, kind of look at something and, and, and get an idea. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's much of a process to it. Sometimes when I get stuck, I, I might say, well, what would Vernon Valentine do? And it helps me kind of get to uh, get to some some kind of resolution. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So who's Vernon Valentine? We had the question down. Actually, it's the next question. So who is Vernon Valentine? Vernon Valentine is a professor at Tulane Law School. He's a... Uh, <laughs> Nice, dude. That's so good. Just a, uh, I mean, just just an old school New Orleans dandy. Uh, drives a Jaguar. I mean, you know, fucking white tennis outfits. You know, blazers with the, the pocket squares and just you know, um, just a just a real suave, debonair, you know, handsome man. Just in his, he's a oh, yeah, a world authority in his in his field. And uh, I always thought his name, his, his full name is Vernon Valentine Palmer. And I always thought that name was just so perfect, he probably gave it to himself. And so um, mm. when I, uh, when mm. I jumped, damn, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I jumped on the gram, uh, that's the, that was the, the alter ego I was going for, that, that kind of uh, <laughs> classic, classic New Orleans gentleman. I don't know if I've quite achieved that, but uh, the name is dope. At least I think it is anyway. Oh, Dude, that, fuck yeah. that's gotta it's be the best, like the intro uh, origin story no of doubt. a handle no I've doubt. ever heard in my entire fucking life. Not even kidding. So we are talking then about the black dandy Vernon Valentine. We're talking about the book Black Ivy. We're wondering if you have any thoughts about that. I mean, as it applies to your uh, dressing. Which I would say that it's that it does. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what can I say, man? Um, solid solid piece. Um, great inspiration. I actually took notes. I would say that what, you know, kind of what I'm rocking now is is very much a uh, a Black Ivy inspired piece. Uh, yeah. Vernon what? Valentine's up with with, with cowboy boots. As I do. <laughs> yeah, we, you know? we've noticed that you're a pretty big fan of cowboy boots and, and kind of like other, you know, Western styles. Like, like well, where... listen, I got to give it to you, Matt. I mean, if, you know, certainly uh, it, it took a little while for me to um, get into it. And it was like an acquisition here or an acquisition there and just kind of starting to, to build it into to different looks. And, uh, I remember you messaged me one day and was like, you know, I really like how you're working in Western wear with a lot of your looks. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. I think we're going to go off to the races with oh, this one. So. Fuck, dude. I'm honored, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, no that's doubt. A... So that's part part of the catalyst, you know? <laughs> dude, that, that is awesome. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things that, I guess in the you know few years that I've known you, I've always appreciated is that like, you know, whether you're you're wearing cowboy boots with a suit or like you know you're in some kind of camo pants or something, like you always look comfortable in whatever you you're, you're wearing. And like, I mean, from from meeting you in person to seeing tons of photos of you on on Instagram, like it's a it's a very like natural kind of way to present yourself and i've i've appreciated it in you like 
how how did you become just so comfortable like wearing however you're feeling that day or just just clothing in general like what what brought you to that kind of level yeah I, I don't know man i think um you know maybe oddly maybe not i mean i you know when i was in high school it was square shit i mean it was uh silver tab jeans Adidas shell toes and fucking rock t-shirts, which I wish I still had looking at this shit now. Dude, uh, you and me you both, know, brother. Uh, you and me both. Yeah. You know, so that was the vibe then. But, you know, at, at some point, um, I don't know, man. It, it, I, actually, I think it may have been just some some feelings of self-loathing and uh, decided to just change it up a little bit. And that probably started maybe senior year in high school and you know when I was in college uh it was like poster boy for like Ralph Lauren and shit and you know was was rocking suits and loud ass fucking you know uh trouser and and tie and shirt and sport coat mashups and it was just very much I guess you would call it maybe gentleman's wear but that was kind of the vibe for me back then and uh you know when I when I graduated and and you know, was doing the military thing, and of course, I'm you know, wearing a uniform every day, and wasn't really going a whole lot of places, and you know, kind of got uh, got away from some of the more creative styling, and that went on for, I mean, maybe shit, ten years. And uh, when I got to San Antonio, um, for whatever reason, decided to maybe start uh, getting back into it a little bit. Um, have no explanation as to why but you know it just it kind of began with um selvage denim not necessarily vintage but just you know denim mm-hmm. looks thing and it's then a lot of people's entree into the whole scene right like yeah. was that one of your first kind of purchases your first like real money uh clothing purchases probably probably um i, I can't recall the uh the first pair but you know I, I, there was there was a few rail car Real cars yep. up in there. Um, oh, yeah. What's that other one up in? Uh, Tellison. Tellison. Yeah, that's exactly it. Did yep. you, let me ask, did you have like on the forums, the fashion forums and at the time, exactly the time you're talking about, 2007, 2008, 2009, what have you. Yeah. Do you remember the like pitch about like this is the the screaming about the sizing like everyone was like so my god are we gonna size these too tight are we gonna size them too little we're gonna shrink them ah it was chaos uh yeah I, I was not dialed in at all to any of that shit i'm not even sure how i got plugged into them cats um i don't have the first damn clue um <laughs> but for whatever reason that's, that was that was the move it was it was it was that mm-hmm. It was Railcard, Telesin, and LVC. Um, yeah. You and, and uh, you know, picked up, you know, kind of from there, sort of following cats on the gram and just seeing these dudes mix it up with some some OG type shit. So, okay, so now I'm going to get some, some OG 107s mixed in here. And, you know, mm-hmm. once I started following that crowd, then actually the, the next turn was, um, was like French workwear and French military. That was the next kind of phase of it. And, uh, Believe it or not, from there, that's how I got to hats. Uh, got plugged in with this uh, uh, this hatter over in uh, over in, in Paris, um, 
And so most of the, the most of the hats at that point were um, were custom. And this is this is like this is like early COVID. We're right. talking. We start getting into all of this, and then um, I don't know, man. I guess I guess from there, I start seeing a little bit more of the the range of the of the the, the vintage um, world, and um, you know, started playing with the styling a little bit, you know, and seeing how I could. I guess that's, that's when the I don't know, maybe the the uh, I don't know desire or instinct or whatever to try to try to blend dissimilar things to find you know harmonies that where you, where you might not expect them and uh, that was kind of the the, the, the genesis of, of Vernon Valentine really and it's just been a been a, a sartorial evolution ever since then dude it, you know it's it's funny that you have like you know you kind of talk about only being the past you know, handful of years that you've, um, that you've really like thrown yourself into clothing, but it really does sound to me just in talking to you, like you've always had an innate like style. You've always had a vision that you, um, that you wanted to like present to, um, to things. So like, it's, you know, it's, I feel like there's there's got to be a fashion versus style kind of question here. Like, like, did you have influences around you as a as a youngster? You know that were kind of like, oh, this dude looks cool. Like, like I think I think yeah. Just I, I'd be very curious to see where you just kind of picked up your your like even you know marginal enjoyment of clothing. Yeah, I mean. In in college, I mean, I don't know, cats like uh, like your boy Andre from Outcast. Yeah, you know I mean, he was he was a bit of a style icon in that in that era. That era, you know, absolutely. Um, so that that might have been some of it there. Uh, you know, say what you want about the motherfucker, but at the time too, Kanye West had a, had his own kind of thing going on, and um, oh, sure, you know. Um, I might not have picked up too many cues, but I mean, you at least get get a sense of of uh, I don't know, maybe the the expression of identity, you know, along with the clothing. I think that's that's kind of what it is for me now. You know, I I guess it's um, I don't want to over intellectualize it, but um, that to me is is the style versus the fashion piece, right? I mean, what what message are you trying to communicate with with the clothing? Um, Totally. But also, you know, for me, it's been something of a, uh, I guess, an expression of the individuality, but also the, um, I don't know, just kind of building a, a, a level of comfort with just being being yourself. I mean, that's it's been something that's been, I guess, kind of at the root of a lot of things for me for a lot of years, either feeling like I had to, you know, either suppressing what I really want to be or not really sure who I really want to be or, um, you know, that tension of, of trying to pick up cues but not copy or, um, you know, be individual and not assimilate. I don't know. But, um, you know, now it's it's kind of a matter of, uh, of just being, you know, kind of building the bone and the instinct to uh, – be me at all times, you know. Yeah. Very good. Very 
Yeah. I mean, people talk about style and fat. I and mean, this is, we were hesitant to even ask the question. Um, but I wanted to talk about your Instagram posts, which I looked at all 146 of them. They are outfit photos. Um, and I couldn't stop thinking about each one, like as a movie character, you know, uh, and it really does seem that the photos themselves are cinematic, like in the earlier ones, at least where you're posing. I assume recently you like have been in your house. This is not like a, a judgment call, you know, things are just different now. And so I wonder if you have you been inspired by film? Do you like movies? Has has that influenced your style? I mean, I know it's sort of inescapable, but your style is a particular one. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do like movies. I like art generally, right? Um, I mean, I'm 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 very much I'm very much moved by my art, and I I'm not conversant in art history or you know, this over that. No, neither am I. I. Yeah. yeah. Just for the record, neither am I. It's, yeah, it's, it's just it's, like it's, a it's general like appreciation. A, right. Right. Without a doubt. And so, um, I don't know, man. I mean, you, maybe, you know, you pick up things here, there, or, you know, kind of just follow it back into the mental Rolodex and, and dig it up sometime later. Um, you know, I, sometimes I, it's like you see an extra that has like a neck or a neckerchief tied just a certain way, right? And you're like, I've never seen that before. That's not a person that is in, I mean, they are in the movie, but they are not starring in the movie. Right. So I was just wondering if you had any, any people like I was thinking Western people or like old world war two movies, stuff like that. Um, you know, if you, if you hadn't asked me, I could probably come up with a, with an intelligent answer to that. And you're like, <laughs> well, you killed the rap. You killed the rap question, and so I was like, "This guy's just this guy's just prepared. He's a prepared person." Because I couldn't tell you that my top three, probably anything with a gun to my head. I just am not that way. I think too much, you know. So I thought it was I thought it was fucking impressive, frankly, that that you rattled off those three rap songs. So I guess, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean the. Um... I guess I, I think a little bit more about hip hop than I do about the clothing yeah. things. It's more of a yeah. matter of, you know, for, for it to be, I don't know, thoughtless or, or, but, you know, organic and, you know, kind of just, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it moves one way or the other, depending upon any number of factors. I mean, I, I don't know that it's scientific. I don't know that it's, it's formulaic um, or if it's even just a, a bit nonsensical to say it just kind of happens, but um I don't know, man. It's it's uh, I I go through ebbs and flows with like anything else. I mean, some days I'm kind of motivated to to try to to you know push the envelope a little bit. Other days, I, I can't. I, I make an ugly baby and can't seem to to put some shit together to save my life. I mean, it just kind of runs. And um, you know, usually when I'm when I'm doing that, I'm I'm doing too much. You know, it usually it's when I'm you know being simple with it and not not and uh, in, in kind of paring things down and making it. Uh, making it, it easier or more simple is when, when the, the magic kind of happens. So I don't know. I mean, I've, I mean, insofar as I've got a signature style, it's been more a matter of, of uh, just staying true to elements I like and finding ways to just do those things in an infinite number of ways, you know? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that a lot, uh, a lot, you can take a lot from that. I thought that was a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's certainly like not the norm. I feel like for people that genuinely like, you know, appreciate clothing and stuff, like, I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, you want to throw on every single thing that you think looks cool and then you put it together and it's like, no, that, that looks fucking stupid. So, (laughs) you know, learning to, uh, to sparse the two between how you're, you know, projecting how you feel and looking like a douchebag, it's a hard thing, but I feel like you kind of like have been working on figuring that out. So. Well, like I said, man, you know, there's a there's 146 images up there. And yet I've been throwing new shit on for every day for two years. You can do the math. That's a lot of things that did not know what I'm saying. So, so, um, uh, you know, so it's it's cool, man. Like it's I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, acquiring new pieces. And, you know, look, that that part certainly helps. I mean, when you've got some some fly shit to style with. Right, uh, right. It's, it makes it makes life a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Like it's um, you know. But you know, listen. You know, respect to those that can just throw on uh, uh, a white t shirt and some denim and 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 just kind of emote James Dean. You know what I mean? Like that's that's got a place too. Um, totally, man. Totally. We're 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 uh, style realists if we're being honest. But see, I'm here for it though, man. I, mean, I, I remember you posted the, what was that fucking thing? It was it was some meme, like, you know, why does every vintage cat look like Phil Collins and just a mashup <laughs> of, of just you know, <laughs> you know. Um I, I'm 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 here for that. And you know, I look at, at, at Connor's stories and it's like, all right, you know, we got the OG up underneath the sport coat with some with some uh some khakis on and, and loafers. I mean, I'm I'm here for that too. You know what I mean? I just yeah, I just dude, I, exactly. dig, I dig you know, I, I dig seeing people that are just very much in their element, even if it's something that I can't do. I mean, you take cues from someone else just being themselves. Oh, I think totally. that's more what I, what I try to glean from. If I'm seeing something, it may be not it may not be so much of of um, you know let me let me let me do that, but I like how you put that together. Like, so how would Vernon Valentine do that same look? You know what I'm saying? Totally. It kind of just kind of just throw it, keep throwing it back to you know what's most authentic with with uh, what I'm trying to do with the style. Yeah, man. And like you said, however you're feeling that day, that's that's kind of the the goal. Yeah, that's what you said about the white socks and loafers. You said that, or that's not for those. Don't work for me today. I just thought that was a good way of saying something. Uh, that's a good way of saying you don't like something, I guess, question mark. Well, you know, more of what it is, man, is, is probably a, a, uh, um, a, a benefit of, of therapy and just trying not to talk in absolutes and, and, and nevers and always mm-hmm. and ants and won'ts. But, you know, today uh, I'm going to show you, but you know what? You might get me like that in a month or two. You know, I might, I might see the light then. You know, it's kind of, kind of keeping the door open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I, I mean, outside of the clothing context, I took it and put it in my brain. I thought that it was a good 
way of speaking, a good way of being. So um, I wanted to ask you, you know, we all know you have a lot of clothes. You have a lot of cool pieces. I wanted to talk about organization. How is your wardrobe? Is it a closet? Is it a clo- is it clothing? Ra- is this an invasive question? I don't know. No, it's, it's not invasive. I mean, I, I got uh, I got a, a trunk with the you know the the, the winter shit in it. Now I got a you know, the, the spare bedroom slash office is got a little bit more space than the than the bedroom. So that one's kind of that's a little more put together and, and organized as far as. You know, sportswear is in a corner, I think, followed by military, followed by workwear, followed by, uh, you know, jackets, followed by sport coats, followed by the the Alohas, followed by the denim jackets. Right. Um, the uh, uh, the other closet, you know, I've got shelving in there. So we've got, you know, the shoes, you know, I guess the, the boots kind of transition to the shoes go to the. Um, you know, the, the tees go through, go to the sweats, you know, we got the boots on the floor. We got, you know, uh, the, the coveralls and the overalls in the corner, then the denim, then the Westerns, then the kind of the everyday shirts. And then we got more of the, my everyday kick around, you know, office wear, sport coats, you know, trousers, you know, under, underneath that one. Very so good. No color, surprises. It's, but... it's more dramatic is, is probably how it's, how it's organized. Yeah. It's about, you want your clothes to look good when you look at them, right? Well, it's, it's that, but I guess I'm also kind of OCD with the shit too, man. So it's more a matter of trying trying to keep things in a, in a place, but I guess it also kind of helps with, I guess, kind of knowing where things are, if I need to reach for it or, you know, kind of helping to, uh, you know, kind of figure out where I want to go if I'm, you know, a bit undecisive on that day. Yeah, all, all, all very yeah. impressive and valid reasons to uh, to organize something like that. As as someone that cannot organize my closet to save my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robert, man, as as we wrap up, um, I think the the final couple of questions, which are uh, related, we just wanted to know what your what your oldest uh piece or garment was and what your favorite was overall i know Mm. these are loaded questions but yeah the the oldest piece hmm um yeah i think there might be a a bandana or two in there that's 19th century um some turkey reds jesus uh yeah some turkey reds some some kind of old cowboy shit Nice. Uh, big, you know, big, you know, patterned, you know, I got a couple of those in, in the mix. Um, you know, a couple of like World War One era jackets and shit like that. There's a few of those mixed in there. Um, so, you know, if, if, if press, I might, I might even, I might even pull out a, uh, a pair of like late 19th century, you know, bright ass fire engine red trousers. <laughs> um, Dude. I, those sound insanely good. Yeah, um, you know, a, a couple, a couple, uh, maybe nineteen hundreds to nineteen teens, twenties. Uh, Stetsons might be a couple of those up in there as well. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, so there's there's that. Um, as far as was it favorite piece was was the, the other part yeah, of that yeah. one? Yeah, kind of just your your you know 
love it no matter what kind of piece. Yeah. And yeah, that's wild, man. I mean, I when I hear questions like that, I kind of default to, okay, well, what the fuck am I saving from fire? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Perfect. You know, and uh, that one's that one's probably going to be the battery bird, man. I, I I always come back to that one. Okay. Um, of of all of this shit, that one to me is just the most irreplaceable. Um. But what's funny too is that, and I, I don't wear these that often, but uh, I would, if I if I walked by the closet and looked in and saw those Okinawa boots on the top shelf, I think I'd have to grab those too. Right. Um, I've just I've, I've I've never seen another pair out in the wild. Um, that was probably the the luckiest the luckiest acquisition I I, I kind of happened upon, and um, you know it's it's been. Uh, I guess kind of being on the hunt for something specific and never expecting to find it and, and kind of having one fall into your lap, that would be, that would be that one. Um, you know, it's probably going to be like, what, what can I throw on? Right. Like these, these, these snakeskin code West that I'm, I'm wearing now and wear all the fucking time. Like I'm, I'm probably throwing those on as I'm, as I'm leaving the burning house. <laughs> you know, I'm putting the battery bird around my neck. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the, the 30 Stetson on. Um, and uh, I might, I might pull the, I might pull the Chimeo jacket up out the closet too, man. I, I, we, we, we can't, we ain't coming up on too many more of those yeah, in this lifetime. So that's, uh, that's probably going to be, that's probably, that's probably what I'm, what I'm walking out with. All right, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you put it all on. I think that the like the realistic nature of that is funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh well, Robert, man, we've we've had a blast talking to you today, and uh, yeah, just just getting to hear you know people's history and kind of kind of what they dig and what they love, man. It's it's nice. Well, thank you all again for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed the series. I've heard every episode. I think it's dope. Um, your your subjects have been dope. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just glad to. I, I don't I don't find myself as remarkable as some of your your previous guests, but I'm glad you guys have uh, you know kind of kept me in or, you know added me to the rotation. And I uh, hope I run into you again sometime, Matt. Man, I'll let you know when I'm in Atlanta, bro. Dude, fuck yeah, please do, please do. This and, this you know, is what we yeah this is one reason why we wanted to have you on robert because you're so fucking humble like it's been yeah yeah (laughs) and then now it's our turn to be humble and say like every guest who comes on the show is a genius that's why we get them duh (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's what's good man i mean uh uh yeah kind of listen i gotta i get up get up to be more man and See what's popping up there, and uh, oh, you should both come. It's really a lovely place. I think that no one—I have never taken someone here, and they've been like, "What a pile of shit." So I think it's a great town. All right, all right, that's what's up, man. Well, uh, I'll keep you both posted again. Thank you for having me on. Of course, um, of course. I appreciate the hip hop question. I was, I was expecting the top five question, but I'm glad you threw me a curveball with the top three dirty South question. That was a very nice. Uh, a very nice way to <laughs> Oh man. I, I have a good idea from time to time. That's that's all I can say about that. 
Uh, All right, I did. I did. But yeah, Robert, um, plug yourself, my friend. Yeah, uh, get at me, Vernon Valentine on the gram. Um, if you're interested in, uh, you know, throwing a few dollars at the scholarship, um, you can send me a DM at Vernon Valentine uh, on the gram, or you can just Google Waldrup, W-A-L-D-R-U-P dash Crosby, C-R-O-S-B-Y. Uh, scholarship at Tulane Law School. Find all the details there to donate. A couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. Throw a pledge. Help us get to that million and fund a, a fully ride scholarship in perpetuity. If you're an attorney listening to this and you want to get down with some mentorship, holler at me in the same uh, the same way on the gram, and uh, we'll get that popping too for our students. Hell yeah! Great, great plug. Um, we are Apocalypse Studs at Apocalypse Studs on Instagram. Um, studs at gmail.com if you've got questions or want to tell us that we're fucking idiots. Um, I'm Matt Smith at Rebels Rogue. And I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. And thanks for listening. <laughs>